Let the children of God say amen. amen. Let the children of God say amen again. Amen. How blessed we are to come here and assemble here in his house as we give honor and credence to his word, therefore becoming his people so that one day we can see his face in peace. All glory and honor go to God. I don't know about you, but I've come really just to give the invitation after Herschel's sermon. Say amen when you can. Herschel's sermon has preached during the prayer time. Also, we're thankful to Brother Sparks, the innovator, for his participation in the worship on this morning, as well as all the brethren who have rendered service unto King Jesus on this day. Uh, we want to remember this time the Riley family and the passing of Sister Joyce Riley Hodges, that will be Renita's mother, as she was funeralized on this week. Let's continue to lift that family up in prayer. We're thankful to the Gray Road family who did an excellent job last week at the Ohio State Lectureship. Uh, we're thankful specifically of Sisters Copeland, Davis, Mosley, and Smith who did a wonderful job not only glorifying God but also making the Gray look good. Next week we want the Gray Road family to be cognizant that we're doing a lot of things after service on next week. Uh, the pep rally for Vacation Bible School. Also, we will be doing the graduation reception for our graduates, Alexis, Jada, and David, on next Lord's Day. But on today, we start a multi-week sermon series entitled, Prayer Matters. Prayer Matters. And it's in looking at this sermon series, Prayer Matters, we're going for the next five weeks to chronicle the prayer life of Jesus. Going to chronicle the prayer life of Jesus. Meet me, if you will, in Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6. And meet me there in the ninth verse. Matthew chapter number 6, beginning there in ninth verse. And when you find yourself there, let us be standing for the holy, inerrant, and infallible word of God. Matthew chapter number 6, beginning there at verse number 9. And when there, Matthew the tax-collecting Jew is chronicling the life of Jesus. And here Jesus formulates a pedagogical philosophy around the topic of prayer. And in verse number 9, he begins with the instructionary words. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. If you have some time this to you from the thought, the premise, the principles, and the product of prayer. The premise, the principles, and the be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let us go to God in prayer. Dear heavenly, kind and gracious Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you have done and what you are doing even right now in our very lives. Father, this time be with everyone under the sound of my voice. Father, open their their hearts, their spirits, their souls, and yet ears to hear a word coming straight from you, manservant. This time be with your manservant, Father. Give him all that he needs now to serve your word. Father, help me preach your word with boldness and confidence, Father. Help me to stand flat-footed and firm upon your word and your word alone. My own thoughts or feelings, ideology or psychology, Father, but let your word shine through. Father, we have come to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Father, you wrote these. You placed them upon my heart. Father, give me the strength and stamina now to share with your people, including myself, what you have for us to dine upon. Father, help us all to come before you as empty pitchers before a flowing fountain. Father, fill us, Jesus, and fill us even when we do not want any more. Father, work on us. Operate on us. Fix us. Heal us. Right now, touch us with your word. Help us to exhibit your love. Father, bless the word. Father, bless your servant. Father, bless us all as your children. All these things we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. The premise, principles, and product of prayer. Notice, as we gain admittance into the sanctuary of the Sermon on at this time, Jesus the Christ is still living amongst his disciples. For it will be soon, approximately 21 chapters later, that he will not just be their Lord, but then he will also be their Savior. If one were to appear in the hallways of historicity and future revelation, it would be revealed that while Christ does Emmanuel, God with us, that he would soon resurrect and ascend as the thus meeting us to God. But right now in this text, he speaks as one enrobed in human flesh. And he says that though I will soon leave you in presence, I will never leave you in power. And when I do 
leave you in presence, you can still activate the power. Because even when I'm going to activate the power, all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. Church, I don't know about you, but we have power. There's power in the name of Jesus. I see I ain't going to have no help this morning. There's power in the name of Jesus. Because there's power in the blood of Jesus. And if there's power in the Son, then you have to know that there's power in the Father. So as a child of God, I know that when I run into situations that I can't handle... All I got to do is call upon my big brother, and his name is Jesus. But there are some situations that only my daddy can solve. So as I sit at his feet in prayer, I seek counsel from God. I seek resolution from God. I seek protection from God. And the benefit is that whenever I call out to my Lord in prayer, that even though I may be visibly alone, I'm always theologically in a conference call. Yes, I may be the one speaking, but God the Father is listening. Jesus the Christ is defending and interceding, and God the Spirit is interpreting. I don't know if you know this, but prayer is by God and to God, but it's really for you. Because God knows what you want before you ask. He just wants to know if you will humble yourself and be faithful enough to ask it of him. Because you ask it of everybody else. You didn't ask brother man and sister girl and Kiki and Ray Ray and God has said all along, if you just would have called upon my name, you would have had it a long time ago. God says all you have to do is make up your mind to trust me and I'll take care of the rest. When it comes to prayer, God is the recipient. God is the switchboard. God is the authenticator of language through his Holy Spirit, and he decodes all algorithms. And when it comes to proper prayer, God alone is a monopoly, and he owns all the towers. That's why he never drops a call. Humanistic telecommunication there's competition between Verizon Wireless and AT&T and Sprint and T-Mobile, but in theological, dietetical communication, there is no competition because there's only one God. And this God knows our needs and hears our hearts and understands our languages and cures our ills, and he and he alone resides in heaven. I don't know, I don't I don't, know. I don't have to pump and prime you this morning to tell you there's power in prayer. And some of us have not seen the power, have not received the power, and have not experienced the power because we have yet to get down on our knees and pray fervently to God. See, the problem is, Carl, we want, we want grown-up results with kindergarten prayer. 
And some of us have yet to mature in our prayer life. We're still sitting down saying, God is good and God is great and thank you for our food. And it's much more than that. Now I can talk. I don't want to hear this, but see, see. When you have children, you talk to them one way when they're little. But as they age, the communication changes. He's always the parent and you're always the child. But parents talk differently to grown children because now grown children understand a few things. And it's as we go through life and we understand some things, we go through some things, we endure some things, that the way we talk to God ought to change. You can say, Lord, I've been through it. Help me. Lord, it's broke. Fix it. Lord, I'm lost. Find me. Something ought to change in the way that we communicate to God. Understand God is such a great communicator that he has the propensity to hear even when you're not speaking. Somebody missed your shout right there. We could have went home right there. God is such a great communicator that he has the propensity to hear even when you're not speaking. Understand that it's not about you putting your words before him. As the text reaffirms, because Christ discourages the standing street corners. He discourages the running and bumbling of words. What Christ is trying to put in his disciples then and trying to put in us now, that it's much about mm, your heart as it is about your words. That's why God reads the heart. Because sometimes everything on my heart does not come out my mouth. But the blessing is, the blessing is, the blessing is, whatever I forget, the Holy Spirit still catches and communicates it. With all of this available to us, how dare we nonchalantly make prayer a secondary function of Christianity. Prayer is so fundamental to modern day Christianity that even Jesus performed it. Jesus the word that was with the word and was the word. Jesus, Mary's baby. Jesus, the one who pontificated in the temple in the midst of early adolescence. Jesus, the one who said, I'll destroy this temple and rebuild it in three days. If anybody did not have to call upon the name of the Lord, it was him. But here in the text, in the canonicity of New Testament scripture, here we see even Jesus praying. It's Jesus who prayed while breaking the loaves of bread and the feeding miracles. It's Jesus who prayed in Matthew 14 after feeding the 5,000 when he went up into the mountainside by himself. It was Jesus who prayed for Simon that he would not get weak after satanic temptation. It was Jesus praying at the tomb of Lazarus, his friend, after Lazarus had died and man had given up all hope. It was Jesus who prayed when it was time for him to physically die. And he was praying that the cup be taken away from him. So I know if Jesus can pray in humility and contriteness, though he had no sin, then I ought to have enough common sense, at least every now and then, to get down on my knees and give God glory and honor and praise. 
Let me share something with you. God does get praise through prayer. See, a lot of us, a lot of us think that praise only happens at 4826 Gray Road. We think that praise is only about us getting happy in church. We think that praise is only about us shouting and clapping our hands and stomping our feet and standing up and shouting. And ain't nothing wrong. Yeah, I said ain't nothing wrong. And I ain't scared of nobody. But praise as thanks occurs through prayer. If the only manifestation of your praise is when you get here, then you are praise poor. Flowers showed in, show out, and I got happy in church. I was praising the Lord. If the only thing you do is praise the Lord in here, you are praise poor. But I'm rich with praise because I'm rich with blessings. I'm rich with grace. I'm rich with mercy. I'm rich with love. And every time I think about it, I have to give God praise. And I don't have time to wait till Sunday. I don't have time to be pumped and primed. Sometimes I say, Lord, thank you. I don't deserve it, but I have it. Thank you. I'm healthier than most. Thank you. I got beans to go with my rice. Thank you. See, see, praise, praise, praise. It's so much deeper than what you do with your hands. It originates with what you do with your heart. And folks spend so much time worried about hand clapping when they should be worried about preparing people's hearts to praise God. Now that wasn't my lesson, but it all felt good right there. So look here, look here, look here. Praise is what God deserves. And that's why I pray. And if Jesus could do it, it's my honor to praise him. Jesus is telling his disciples that though I as God am about to leave you bodily, I want you to come before me and my father boldly. My person will soon leave, but don't worry because I'm leaving you in better hands. Leaving you in the hands of my father. But before we go any further, before I heal Peter's mother-in-law, before I heal the paralytic and say, your sins have been forgiven, before I calm the elements and the sea of Galilee by saying, peace be still." Before I cure a woman who's had an issue of blood for 12 long years, before I take a little boy's lunch and open a red lobster in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of that same night, use the Sea of Galilee as my Nordic track, before I do all of that, let me first teach you and teach us how to talk to my daddy. I'm going to teach you how to talk to my father because there's a certain way that you talk to folk who are over you, above you, sovereign to you, and majestic to you. You don't talk to God like you talk to your homeboy. 
Okay, 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 okay. Some of y'all don't like that. Some of y'all don't like that. You know why you don't like it? It's because we stopped learning how to talk to adults. That we don't even know how to talk to God. And because we have no respect for adults and we have no respect for authority, that's why we have no respect for God. Okay, 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 okay. Some of y'all still don't like that. It's all right. Uh, when I was coming up, I grew up in an old school house. Therefore, I run an old school house. Is that all right? I love my sons, but we ain't homies. I love my sons, but we're not friends. At the most, they're tenants. Say amen when you can. Because at 18 years old, they find somewhere. I wish I had somebody in here. Folk who are guaranteed to live there are Jeremy and Tamika Flowers. And because of that, we deserve an amount of respect. We are the providers of the house. And somebody ought to respect somebody who's providing everything. See, there used to be a time when, when kids didn't cuss around adults, now they cuss at adults. What happened to yes ma'am and no ma'am and yes sir and no sir? What happened to when adults are talking, kids leave the room and you would say, stop looking in my mouth? What happened to autocratic households? This is how it's going to be and that's how you're going to live with it. When did we become democratic with our children? Where's your child going to the youth conference? Well, let me check with her. Hold on, wait a minute. You don't have no schedule. I own your phone. Well, we'll see if she's available to come to Bible class. Hold on. Wait a minute. Who's running the house? I'm going to start sending mail to them because obviously you can't handle it. Bad preacher. I think I was. There's a way you talk to my daddy. And, and what I want to show you this morning, as the Holy Spirit gives me strength and you give me time, I want to talk to you about the premise of prayer, the principles of prayer, and the product of prayer. The premise of prayer, Peter already spoke about. He said in 1 Peter chapter 5, cast all your cares upon him. That's the premise. I don't have to worry when I got God on my side. I don't have to have the cares of this world when I have God on my side. I don't have to be stressed and depressed when I got God on my side. I don't have to worry about tomorrow when I have God on my side. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to eat or drink or wear when I got God on my side. So the premise is cast all your cares where upon him. He can hold it. He can handle it. You can't handle it. That's why you walk around here always crying, always sad, and always depressed, and always trying to hustle to try to get something else. And now you're working three jobs and 60 hours of overtime. You can't come to church because you're trying to do it all by yourself. Cast all your cares. But see, but see, but see, along with that premise, Peter also said in 1 Peter 2, verse 1, you got to rid yourself of some stuff. Rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, 
all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander. You can't embody 1 Peter 5 until you imbibe 1 Peter 2. You can't cast nothing away until you decide to get rid of some stuff in your life. But as long as you feel with that malice, you hate everybody. You're mad at everybody. You got grudges with everybody. As long as you want to walk around being a hypocrite and looking down on everybody else. As long as you want to talk about everybody and everybody else's name in your mouth. You can't really cast away all your cares on him. He said, I'm waiting for it. I'll play catch if you would just throw. So the premise is cast all your cares. I'm so glad I got somewhere to put my stuff. I'm tired of walking through life. To my daddy like this. This then, verse number nine, this then is how you should pray. It's not a must pray. It's a should pray. So many folks, so many folks, and infantile Christianity. They don't know what to say. They don't start with our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. They don't know what to do. They can't say to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, look here, look here. You already got the, prince, the premise of prayer. Here's some principles. Here's some building blocks. Here's some construction tools. Every prayer is unique. To your person, to your circumstance, and to your situation. Because guess what? We don't all have the same things going on at the same time. But honey, there's something going on all the time. You don't have to trouble trouble for trouble to trouble you. We all got it. We all getting hit with something. It might be a different stick, but we all getting a stick. That's why we don't look down on nobody else. Yeah, I, I may have my job today, but I can lose it tomorrow. Yeah, I may have my job today, but my family's falling apart. Yes, my family may be together, but I'm losing my mind. We all got something going on. We all got something. We all got something. That's why when we come here, that's why I'm a participant in worship versus a spectator in worship. Let me get to my text. I'm going to get too happy now. I'm going to get too happy. We're still warm in the oven. This is the preheating stage. Say amen when you can. Uh, let's throw something in the oven. Our Father, who art in heaven. Our Father, who art in heaven. When you talk to my daddy, you start by calling his name. Our Father automatically speaks towards singularity in his person. But his multiplicity in terms of his presence, power, and parentage. Meaning that God is one. Though multiple other gods exist, only one exists in heaven. And by you denoting him as Father, that means he has rule in your life. And he gives you new life. But while he is singular in his personage, when it comes to his presence, his power, 
He's here, there, and everywhere all at the same time. Meaning he's omnipresent, he's everywhere, he's omniscient, he's all-knowing, he's omnipotent, all-powerful. There's nowhere he ain't. And there's nothing he don't know. But I'm so glad he's omnipotent because that means there's nothing he can't solve. Now, if I got a God who saw everything already, if I got a God who knows everything already and knew what I was going to do before I did it, if I got a God who's all-powerful, then it made sense to go and talk to him at any and every opportunity. Well, I'm going to get myself right before I talk to God. You might as well talk to him. When you were doing wrong, he was there. When it comes to his parentage, though there is one father, he has many children. Remember, he only promised Abraham what he already secured for himself. And that was that his adopted descendants were as numerous as the sands on the seashore. And guess what? Even though God is in heaven, he's still rebirthing man on earth even today. That's why in John chapter 3, verse number 5, Jesus told Nicodemus, unless a man be born of water and of spirit. That's why in Acts 2, 39, after repenting me, baptize every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said, this promise is what for you and your children and your children's children for as many as the Lord shall call. He's still doing it. He's still doing it. I'm so glad that I got God as a father. I'm glad that God's my father and Barry's father and Wright's father and Cedric's father and Carl's father. And that means that if we all his children, that we have a relationship all amongst ourselves. That means that what God does in Barry's life he can do in my life. What God does in Cedric's life, he can do in my life. What God does in Rodney's life, he can do in my life. I'm getting ahead of myself, but catch this. If God can do it for him, and he can do it for me, then why are you jealous of one another? How he afford that car? They still make Mercedes at the, at, the, at the plant. If God can do it for him, he can do it for you. Maybe you don't have it because it's not his will. See, God as our father, God as our parent won't give us nothing we can't handle. And sometimes you want big brother blessings with a little brother mentality. You can't handle it yet. See, see, see. God, I call him father. Because though he is singular, he is all of our fathers. And that's profound because as a father, he's charged with meeting our needs. And I can say that God has met every one of my needs. But if God's the Father, not only is he a need meter, he's also a protector. 
a disciplinarian. Hello? Hebrews chapter 12. If he disciplines you, that's a good thing. That means he considers you as sons. But if some of us don't want discipline from God, We want son blessings with a bastard relationship. Daddy has to discipline you sometimes. There used to be a time. Remember way back when kids got whoopings? Remember that foreign principle of long ago? Back back when, before timeout chairs and redirection hours, extension cords, coat hangers, race tracks. But see, mama, if you got in trouble at home, she would say, you wait until your daddy comes home. Now, if I had time, I would talk about why daddy stopped coming home. But when your daddy comes home, because there's something in the male gender that derives justice. And that's not by coincidence. God as a father and planted us as men, the original creation, to have some level of discernment and justice. So God as a father is my protector, my disciplinarian, my provider, my teacher. And that's why we denote him as father or daddy. But notice he says, our father who art in heaven. He had to balance that thing out. He said, don't get it twisted. We be relational, but we are not equal. I know, I know, I know I'm in trouble and it's all right. I, I know you want to be friends with your children. If you could, you get matching tattoos. Say amen when you can. Some of you have messed it all up. Y'all call yourselves BFFs and all that other stuff. And that's why when you start yelling at her, she yells at you just as loud. Our Father, don't get it twisted. He is in heaven. I'm on it. There's some distance between us. Dr. Wright, I'm a grown man with two children, two car notes, and unfortunately, two houses to pay for. And my mama, who lives upstairs in my house, still reminds me every now and then I'm the parent and you're the child. And it's hard 
to have a disagreement. Because at some point it's over. You be like, Then the wife will say, you don't talk to me like that. That's my mama. There's a difference. <laughs> Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, which means what? To give him reference. Don't just call my father's name, but tell him how he's different than all others. Hagiatso, which is the Greek word that means to separate, dedicate, and consecrate. Uh, my father, uh, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Guess what? Your kingdom come. See, this time is still coming. See, we're in Matthew and see Zondervan and Bible writers say this is the New Testament. But New Testaments have to be sealed and bought with blood. And right now, Jesus has not died yet. So we're not in a New Testament he would be the testator. So the kingdom is still coming. See, the kingdom of God is speaking of the moral and spiritual kingdom that is not measured by latitude or longitude, but rather by grace and mercy. And the subjects of his kingdom consist of as many as have been brought into hearty subjection under and by his gracious scepter. Basilaa is the Greek there. It speaks of a royal power, kingship, dominion, or rule. Not to be confused with an actual kingdom, but rather the right or authority to rule over a kingdom. If you're looking for the kingdom of God, it's here. It's that kingdom that rules all the other kingdoms. There's something about this kingdom that demands our conformity and allegiance. For it was in Matthew chapter 3 verse number 2 and saying repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is near. Repentance is the entrance into the kingdom of God. One becomes a member of the kingdom of God by starting off by saying I repent. I turn over all old things and I pledge to become new. I will go down the watery grave of baptism for the remission of my sins. I'll come in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ. Who is the kingdom of God? Those who have entrance into the kingdom of God. Those who have repented. Those who have been baptized. See, in a world where the kingdom of God and the body of Christ are ambiguous, everybody who goes to a church will say something. It's all about the kingdom. I'm in the kingdom of God. As long as we're in the body of Christ, well, you better make sure that you've done the scriptural way. The kingdom of God is a scriptural, spiritual place. You can't get to a scriptural place without getting there a scriptural way. If you do a man-made way, you'll end up in a man-made place. And a whole lot of churches that exist in the religious landscape are not spiritual. They are man-made themselves. Man says all you got to do is raise your hand and say the sinner's prayer. That's man's way. That'll get you in man's place. When man says you got to tarry and wait on the Holy Ghost, that's man's way. That'll get you in man's place. 
When man says, all I got to do is rub holy oil on your head and you got to roll around to show everybody, that's man's way. That'll get you in man's place. When folks say, we got to vote on you to accept your membership, that's man's way and it'll get you in man's place. But I'm talking about the kingdom of God. And if you're going to get in the kingdom of God, you got to do it God's way. That's why John said even before Jesus showed up at the River Jordan, repent. Why? Because the kingdom of God has come there. It's coming. And if you want to get in it, you got to conform. you got to change your way. Acts 28, 23, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening. What was he doing? Explaining to them about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. What was he doing, Jeremy? Paul was teaching. Teaching is what binds the kingdom of God. You can't be in his kingdom if you don't follow his teachings. So when you do things that scripture does not authorize, that automatically shows you where you are in relationship to the kingdom of God. When you go to a church and you know that ain't scriptural, I ain't read that nowhere, that shows where you are in relation to the kingdom of God. If you take any or everything and whatever pastors say you follow, that goes to you. Hello, somebody, where you are into the relation of the kingdom of God. There's entrance into the kingdom of God. There's a binding in the kingdom of God. That's the teaching. And Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a of eating or drinking, but of righteousness. Meaning what? Our righteousness or attempt thereof shows our allegiance to the kingdom. I want to do right and live right and walk right and talk right, thereby trying to continually be a subject of the kingdom. But can I tell you something? There are a whole lot of folk who aren't living the life, even inside of the church. And they're in for a rude awakening. Because there are some people who come here and they believe that as long as the marquee is right, as long as the marquee is right, then automatically the kingdom of God. And you know, everybody else whose marquee is different, when the reality is, you're going to have the same ending as they're going to have because you have not yet committed yourself to kingdom living. You're so busy staying in the palace that you stop living in the kingdom. Meaning what? As long as I come to church and I go to the palace, then I's be all right. It's much more than that. You got to live it. Be allegiant to it. Be committed to it. The kingdom of God is smaller than some folk think. Our kingdom come, your kingdom come rather, your will be done. Before I ask of anything in particular, let nothing be done in the future if it already was not part of your will in the past. We'll talk more about that on next week. Your will be done. Meaning what, as a resident of your kingdom, I am simultaneously saying that I will be compliant and agreeable to your will. I want your will to be done on earth as I know it's done in heaven. It is praying 
that God's reign will take place in this world even as it already does on his throne. Notice the first half of the Lord's Prayer focuses exclusively on God and God's agenda. Tells us to adore, us to worship, us to submit. Before you ask God of anything, how about you talk about him? Ask you for anything. Let me first thank you for everything. Some of us got a prayer problem. We got a prayer problem. Number one, some of us pray selfishly. Give me a house. Give me a car. Give me my health. What about the rest of us? I don't have siblings. My children will. There's nothing worse if you have siblings than for everybody to be thirsty, but you yourself run to daddy and ask only for you to have a drink. How dare you? What about the rest of us? If he's our father, why can't you pray? Remember the disciples? Two of them went with their mama and said, can we have the right hand and the left hand? What about the rest of us? When's the last time you prayed for somebody else? So you're praying for somebody else. When's the last time you prayed about the marriages at Gray Road? Your marriage ain't the only one in trouble. And those of us who might not have marriages in trouble, we need strengthening too. When's the last time you prayed about somebody else's job? Instead of just your job. That's why we got journals that when people come down for prayer, you can write about somebody else. And just yourself. It's not just about you. And don't feel that God blesses other people sometimes to bless you. I got health problems, you got health problems. I got financial problems, you got financial problems. I got marital stuff, you got marital stuff. Why can't you pray for somebody else? The second problem we have in our selfishness is we want God to help us before we even thank him. We want God to show us his power, but we got problems recognizing his power. God is not your cosmic genie. And the only time some of us pray is when we want something when we're backed in a corner. And then the audacity, we can't even start up and say, our Father, how good you've been. The God of our past, the God of our present, the God of our future, the God of our love, the God of our care, the God who kept my family together, the God who got my child to graduate from college when I know that she couldn't get out of high school. We don't talk about that. We want to rub the lamp 
it, Lord. Give me that car. Give me that job. Give me that man. I don't care about your will. I want it. I want it. Point and click. Give it to me. Now that Jesus has given God all his glory, then he asks for something. Give us this day our daily bread. Meaning what? Give is so powerful because it, it speaks of a present or a gift. Meaning what? what God, everything God gives me, I don't deserve it. Your majesty, you deserve that. Now, give me what I don't deserve. Give us when? This day. Meaning what? Act right now. When you give God the glory he deserves, you'll be surprised how fast God can act. That's why I serve a right now God. And regardless of when he comes, regardless of what time it is, he's still on time. That's why Grandma's song, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there. I wish I had a church in here. Because his time is according not to your time X, but his time is according to his will. Give us this day, what? Our daily bread. Just for today. So you worried about tomorrow. And if you read Matthew 6 completely, Jesus says, why are you worried about tomorrow? Each day has enough worry of itself. The rest of the pericope says, hold on, wait a minute. You worried about what you're going to eat? Don't the birds of the air eat? You worried about what you're going to wear? Don't the lilies look good? Every morning? And if I take care of a plant, then I'll take care of a person. If I take care of a bird, you better believe I'll take care of a believer. That's why you ask me for what you need. If you looked all around you, you would already know I'm a provider. But all you got to do is come to me. I'll take care of you. I'll take care of you. But what I give you, what I give you, what I give you, meaning whatever you get, you didn't deserve it. What I give you is what you need for that time. If God gave it to us all at once, some of us would stop depending on them. See, that's why we're children. You only give children what they can handle at that time. See, when Joshua wants some M&Ms, he can't have the whole bag. He's two. I say his two. And when you want some more, come back and see me. I'm going to give you the daily bread. And when that's over, guess what? Come back and see me. Which means well, you ought to be seeing me every day. See, see, to the disciples, the disciples in their minds, bread was a, a, a circular a piece of flour and after it was cooked, it was about an inch thick. Something that we would look to as a pita. It's a small piece and it was not enough for a feast, but it was enough to sustain one. I thank God that I may not have everything I want, 
but I have everything I need. Everything to sustain me. And understand, just having sustenance, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve it. How many of you would still be faithful to God? Though he doesn't give you everything you want. Can you have praise on your lips? Because he's given you everything that you need? Give us today our daily bread. He also spoke in bread because he says, look here. I have been providing bread a long time. I was baking bread for the nation of Israel. When they said, well, why did you bring us up out of Egypt into this wilderness? When we were back in Egypt, we had meat. You brought us out here to kill us of hunger? God said, look here, there'd there be, there be bread for you every morning. Came back in numbers and said, I'm going to add some chicken to your biscuits. I'm going to give you some quail. The same God in Psalm 77 who fed people with bread of heaven. The same God in 1 Kings 17 that fed Elijah and the Kareth Ravine. Gave bread and the birds brought him food. I know how to provide bread. I've been doing it for a long time. And if I can make bread rain, if I can make it rain, Try to see who caught on to that. Say amen when you can. Everybody ain't been delivered. If I can make it rain, then you ought to at least call on me and depend on me. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We'll talk more about that tonight, but understand forgiveness here is a cornerstone of prayer. Give God his glory. Ask God for what you need. Ask God for forgiveness. Because God has a tendency to not give possessions until you're in the right position. And if your positioning is off, God has the propensity to cut you off. So I thank God for who he is. I thank God for who he was. I thank God for who he will be. I ask God, I'm dependent upon you. But I also say, Lord, forgive me. Move the chasm between you and me. I want your blessings to flow in my life without obstruction. And sin is an obstruction. You wonder why things won't flow right in your life? Probably because it's plugged up somewhere with something that you have done and have not gotten yourself right with. Forgive us as we forgive others. The NIV ignores this part. So if you have NIV, write in your Bible. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Meaning what? I started with God, and I'm going to end with God. It's not about you. Don't you know if you didn't say nothing, God would already know what you need? So why you spend so much time talking about yourself? Those are the principles of prayer. The premise of prayer, the product of prayer, is when things are going good between me and God, there's no obstruction in my life, my sins are forgiven, I'm praying to him, giving him all the glory that he deserves, on the premise that I can cast all my cares upon him, he produces some stuff in my life. I have safety and security that I never thought I would have. 
I have peace that I never thought I could enjoy. I have favor I never thought I could experience. And if you look at this, look at this. See, Matthew 6 is synoptically inclined to Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus also teaches his disciples to pray in the same manner. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But later on in Luke chapter 11, he says, look here. Once you learn how to pray, then you can ask with boldness of God, and he'll do it. Ask, seek, knock. What's the product of prayer? It gives me boldness and confidence. When I've learned to cast my cares, when I've learned how to pray by its principles, then nothing bothers me like it used to. I can go to work tomorrow confident that even if you get on my nerves, I got an avenue with the Father, and I can talk about you to God, and God will make something happen. The product is when bills come to me on my desk that I can't pay, I can put my hands over it and start to pray and tell God, I can't afford these bills, but you know, and I just ask you to care of my daily bread, keep my lights on just one more day, keep the water running just one more day, and I can watch him work. I can ask, seek, and knock. I can deal with my loved one who's been sick a long time, because I can just go to God and say, Lord, you know it's been a hard road. Just give me a long with my loved one. But even if you don't, I thank you for the time that you gave me. I thank you for allowing him to know you. I thank you for allowing him entrance one day into heaven if he's lived right around you start changing when you know how to pray. Things around you start changing when you know how to pray. Fake people look different when you know how to pray. What? God is producing something in you because you finally understood the premise of prayer. You learn to cast your cares upon him. What used to make me sick don't make me sick no more. What used to make me cry don't make me cry no more. What used to give me a headache don't give me a headache no more. Is my blood pressure. Don't raise it no more. Aren't you mad, flowers? Because I gave it to the Lord, and I gave it to him a long time ago. I've learned to get down on my knees. I've learned to say, Lord, in your hands. I've learned to say, Lord, give me this. Say, Lord, forgive me, because I know I do wrong on the way of doing wrong. And that's why I had a product of peace, a product of joy and a product of happiness. Everything in my life ain't happy, happy. Joy, joy right now. But I have learned to pray. And I'm going to tell you this, and I promise you through. If you learn how to pray, and pray without ceasing, and like old folks say, go in your closet, things change. And it's not that the things have changed. But it's that you have been changed. My vision is now different. The same goes there. I see him differently. Because I see him through the eyes of God. And I can see him through the eyes of God. Because I talked to God and God already told me it's going to be all right. You go into the prayer as a kitten. But you come out alive. It ain't changed. But now God's given you the power to deal with it. Let's be standing and not singing. Let's be standing and not singing. I ain't finished, but I'm through.
there's something about the name Jesus. The songwriter says, it is the sweetest name I know. And you'll talk about how sweet his name is, but you won't call upon him. Who needs prayer? Real prayer. Not just cotton candy prayer. I don't need church prayer. Can I be real with you? Though I'm a fan of the green card, your real prayer can't fit. Because if you're real with yourself, when you come to a green card, you can only put one thing on there. But you got multiple things to pray for. If perchance you're not a child of God, not a baptized believer, will you become one on today? What must I do, flowers? I'm so glad you actually must first hear the word of God. You've heard me. I'm loud enough. Believe that he is. That he's a word of those who diligently seek him. Repent of your sins, meaning what? I'm going to turn away, and I'm not going back. Confess that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, there's no other name in the heaven by which a man can be saved, Acts 4 and 12. Be baptized in water for the mission of your sins, Acts 2.38. Live faithful unto death, Revelation 2 and 10. Not a child of God. We've been praying for you to come to him. But for those of us who are children of God, it makes no sense to live in hell and then die and go to hell when you can talk to the one who lives in heaven. You go to everybody else for your needs. And some of us even look around. I got to have a man. I got to have a woman. Why you got to have a man so bad? So somebody can take care of me. Somebody was taking care of you long before you decided to start dating? I need some security. Don't you know you got security? Why get me a woman? I need somebody to love me. Somebody already loves you. But you won't talk to them. You won't talk to them. And guess what? When you don't talk to the Lord, even though you got somebody, you'll still find yourself lonely. You got something you can't handle right now. Something you've been trying to deal with. Something you've been trying to beat back and it's not working. Somebody going round and round in circles over the same stuff. It's going to keep doing that until you talk to the person who can fix it and make straight paths and come to him. Cast all your cares. Cast your concerns. Who's bold enough to say, you know what? I'm putting my marriage on the altar. I can't do nothing else with it. I'm putting my kids on the altar. Can't do nothing else with them. I'm putting my self-esteem on the altar. I can't fix it. I still have trouble loving myself. Who's real with themselves? Hello? I'm tired of being depressed. I'm going to put it on the altar. Who, who can do that? Can I, tell you, I promise you I'm done. I it's third conclusion. I promise you I'm done. Worship is not worship. If you dare leave the same way you came. So do something front. The doctor is in. Will you come get the healing that you need? Don't waste an hour and a half of your day and not get what you come for. And you may not know it, but you came here for peace. You came here for healing. You came here for deliverance. You came here for a new 
so I can go to school tomorrow or I can go to work tomorrow differently than I left on Friday. People will see something in me and say, what's gotten into you? You say what's been there all along, and his name is Jesus. The only thing that's different is I've decided to activate what already came standard. Will you come to Jesus? Not a child of God, come to be baptized right now. Leave here as his child. Our child of God, ask for prayer. If you don't know what to say, just come and say, I need some prayer. Get what you need right now as we sing the song of invitation. those are still writing, we want to remind you a few things. Number one, the office staff has wonderfully prepared prayer journals for everyone. I know we ran out. For those who do not have one, we'll have one for you next Lord's Day. For those of you who do have the prayer journals, be attentive as those who are here. Pour out their hearts. Feel free to write down their concerns. The journal is for you as well. Every day we encourage everybody at the grade to pray. Uh, 
myself included, because I showed needed, feel free to write down what you pray for. Write down things throughout the day so you can pray for them. This is to encourage you to be a better prayer warrior. Pray not only for yourself. Pray for this church. Pray for its leaders. Pray for its members. Pray that we all do what God would have us to do. Also in the bulletin, every Monday this month, we'll have a prayer hotline. It's absolutely free. The instructions are there in the bulletin. I pray to see you tomorrow at 7 a.m. Now, for Brother Flowers, that's early. I'll say, man, 7 o'clock ain't my time of day. But the reason for it being so early is so that you can go to work, already pray it up as we pray together. We're calling it family prayer because we, in fact, are a family. When you leave here, uh, Don and Lucia, they've been married 50 years, 50 years. Amen to that. So if you need marital help, go see the Hudson's at the church. Say amen when you can. You'll be behind me anyway. Now, but there is a reception there for them, and they invite all of you uh, for some finger foods after the worship hour. This time we turn the services over to Brother Lampkin and Dr. Wright. Good morning, Great Road. How are you doing? Well, I want to thank um, Brother Flowers for an awesome sermon this morning. I know last year sometime um, something he